This is the Casting Lots podcast, and you're listening to Unschooling Scholars. Good evening, everyone. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, and this is episode nine of Unschooling Scholars. How is it already March? I don't even know where this time went. This is crazy to think it's already March. Like, I feel like the new year just started. You should be happy with the weather. Oh, I am. It's, what was it, 56 degrees here today? I think so. And we had thunderstorms yesterday, which was really crazy. Friday. And we're going to have snow on Friday. No. <laughs> I don't like that word. That's a bad word, the S word. Snow. Man, I don't even... Today was such a, a... It was beautiful outside. The kids love it. They're outside playing right now. I said, go outside while I do this here. And, you know, they're loving it. So, we you know, spring is right around the corner. But um, for planting, we're in zone five. So we can't plant until late uh, April, sometimes even early May. I know, was it last year? I think we couldn't plant until May 19th. We got our last frost. And so, um, you just never know with the weather here in Illinois. It's, it's so crazy. And we had a drought. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had a drought last year. First we were like, just had all this rain. It was like a tsunami. And then it was just a drought for most of the summer and, and into the fall. So let's pray for better weather this year. Um, but anyways, let me get started here. Um, so I am going to go ahead and just open us in a quick word of prayer. So if, if you're listening, Lord, just bow your head as we, we pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this time today um, to gather in your name. Uh, we ask that you just be with all of us here, Lord, and for those who will listen later on, um, just be with us and guide us and just put on our hearts the things that need to be said for those who need to hear it, Lord. Whatever message you need uh, for us to put out, we, we pray that you'll put that on our hearts so that those that need to hear can hear your message, Lord. Um, use me. Use me as your messenger to to put your words out there for those who need to hear it, Lord. Um, and for those that are struggling, Lord, I just pray that you, you just wrap your loving arms around them and you help guide them and heal them, Lord. Um, I know many are suffering with illnesses and uh, anxiety and depression and, and just worry, Lord. We ask that you just take all those elements away from them, Lord, and just help guide them through this crazy world that we live in. Um, and as always, just be with us. And in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So today um, we took the kids roller skating, which... I remember being younger and that was one of the things I used to love to do when we went to school, we'd have, you know, skating parties and things like that. So uh, we took the kids skating today and they just really had a good time. I was surprised that my oldest one, he's going to be 13. He's just not very coordinated when it comes to, to things like that. So we, uh, we went skating and, at first, he was very reluctant. Mom, I don't want to do this. I'd rather be outside watching the birds. And I said, well, just try it. You know, just it, the one thing with homeschooling, I think it, it's just so important to encourage your children to try things that they normally wouldn't try. And like I said, skating uh, was just something that he was not thrilled about doing. And so um, on Wednesdays at the, the local skating rink, it's homeschool days from two to four. And so it was all just a bunch of homeschool kids that were there. And um, so there weren't a whole lot of kids. I mean, there was a good amount, but, you know, so 
the kids didn't have to feel like they were being clustered together. Cause I know sometimes when you know, like on a Friday night, if kids are going roller skating, there's a ton of kids there. So it made it a little bit easier for them. Um, but my kids, they all did great. I was just so amazed, you know, it's just something that they were afraid to try. And I, come on, you guys can do this. And of course they fell. Um, and my youngest son, he, he's, he's very stubborn and I don't know where he gets that from. Um, but he was out there and he's like, mom, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, come on, Bryson, you're fine. You're, you can do this. And they love to wrestle. My boys love to wrestle and, you know, they play hard on the trampoline and when they're outside and riding their bikes and the little dirt bikes. And so, uh, I said, look, look how many times you've fallen just playing outside and, you know, in wrestling and, and doing the things that you normally do. I said, you will be just fine. And so he got back out there and he did great. He really did. And, you know, having that, that encouragement. And uh, I think truly for kids, just in general, I think one of the hardest things for them is just having the courage to do things. And um, I know we as adults, we struggle with that too. Maybe not roller skating, but, you know, just things in general, just things in life. And so, you know, that's where I, I pray to God, like, Lord, just give me that courage. Um, you know, when I first decided to go back to school myself and get my college degree, I was like, how am I going to do this with four kids? And, um, you know, I wasn't homeschooling at the time, but I was just like, Lord, how am I going to do this? And, you know, you asked him to help you and he will. And so I told the kids that too. I said, don't be afraid, you know, try it. If you don't like it, we don't have to come back, but I at least want you to try it. And so they did, they, they want to go back. So it was just really just amazing to see these kids who, you know, were so, so reluctant in the beginning to try something new. And now, you know, they left with a big smile on their face and, you know, I'm sure I'll be hearing about it for the next couple of days. And, um, it was good for them too. They were sweating and I was like, see this, I need to get out there with these kids. So I said, maybe next, next week, if we go back, I'm going to put my skates on. So if, I'm not here next week, Wednesday. I'm, that means I'm laid up in the hospital <laughs> because I broke my tailbone or something else. No, um, it, it's been a while since I've been on skates. So um, that should be interesting. Just say a prayer for me too. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah, if you get that call, Matt, then I'm laid up in the hospital. You know? I'll leave you there. Yeah, you just do the show next week. He said he's going to leave me there. Rude. Oh, no. But really, though, it's just it's so fun. Like um, there's different places that um, I think because homeschooling is becoming so common now, there's a lot of places around us that will have, you know, like homeschooling day. Um, I know one of the trampoline, the indoor trampoline places, they have homeschooling days and um, they have like the inflatable. What do you call the jump houses? Yeah. Um, they'll have that for homeschools and bowling, you know, so we're helping these businesses, small businesses stay in business, you know, by going there and, you know, when normally they'd be closed or they would be less busy, you know, we're helping them and they're helping us because now our kids get to interact with other children. And um, it's just really, really fun to watch, you know, all of the community come together and they say it takes a village to, you know, raise a kid. And um, it's just really it's been a lot of fun just trying different things. And like I said, you know, my kids were so afraid to try skating, but they did great. So, you know, if you're homeschooling your kids and you're figuring out, okay, what can I do with my kids? What can I get them involved in? You know, and, and one of the things with homeschooling is trying to find something that your kids are really good at or that they enjoy doing, you know, and if we wouldn't have tried skating today, I don't know that my kids would have ever done that. And I remember... Well, yeah, Olivia, but she Kingdom loves skating. was a very big proponent yesterday of not doing it. Oh, yeah. He wanted nothing to do with it. And today he did so great. And he fell one time and he just got right back up and did it again. And some of these kids, they're like eight years old. And I was just watching them. They had rollerblades on and they were just like haul and tail. Like, yes, we got this. And I'm like, see, these little people can do it. You can do it. So um, that was really fun. But um you know, talking about homeschooling and, and getting to see like where your kids' strengths are. Um, I, we went to the Dollar Tree after uh, we went skating and Olivia, she got this little gnome thing and they, so they wrapped it up in, in uh, newspaper and I, you know, of course was going to throw it away and I just happened to read it. It's the Chicago Tribune. And it talks about the state standardized tests get low marks from educators. And this was from the end of January, January 30th. 
And um, it says, but will they meet 2025 deadline to fix it? So I'm just going to read some of this. It's just, it's so mind boggling to me how we see what's going on in these schools and um, we're trying to figure out what can we do to fix it. So it says a coalition of teachers, unions, advocates, and parents groups are pushing a long list of changes to the standardized tests Illinois elementary students take each spring. They're motivated by a widely shared view, including the Illinois State Board of Education, that the current test doesn't do much for students or teachers. Currently, two of the biggest complaints revolve around timing. The results arrive after the school year ends, so teachers can't help students with identified weaknesses before they move on to the next grade. The test, known as the Illinois Assessment of Readiness, IAR, also consumes significant classroom and instructional time. In addition to these complaints, the Coalition for Testing Reform is fighting for greater accessibility for students with disabilities. But the Coalition is worried the State Board of Education will run out of time to make big changes by 2025. That's when the contract expires for Pearson, the testing company that administers the reading and math tests for students in third to eighth grade. The tests aren't going away. They're required by federal law for school accountability purposes, and even harsh critics of tests say they're one of the only ways to measure inequities between schools. And the stakes are heightened now. Test scores plummeted during the pandemic. Imagine that. In 2022, just 17.3% of third graders met grade level standards for English and language arts, down from nearly 40% in 2019. Think about that. In 2022, just 17.3% of third graders met the level grade standards for English and language arts. 17%. And that's down from nearly 40% in 2019. So even that, 40% in 2019, you know, these kids are not meeting these, these grade levels. And it says, meanwhile, there's a push to make sure the state's money is well spent. Illinois is slated to spend $28.4 million on the test this school year. So these teachers, they're teaching these kids how to take tests, you know, and they're trying to figure out, well, why are these kids' test scores so low? Well, for one, maybe if we spent less time and energy on focusing about testing and we spent more time teaching these kids the things that they need to learn. And I know in a classroom full of, you know, 20, 30 kids, it's hard to to be able to just spend time with certain kids who, you know, maybe falling behind or, you know, whatever. But we're talking 17% of third graders here. So obviously there's something not right, you know, even 40%, that's a very low number, you know, and I don't know, um, like what, what their idea of like where a child should be, but, you know, each child learns differently. And I think that's one of, um, the great things about homeschooling is that, okay, technically my daughter's in fourth grade, but she probably reads at a fifth grade level and she could probably do fifth grade level math. But, you know, we have to keep her in fourth grade. And then my third grader, he was behind in reading for a long time. So he's probably, probably at a second grade level reading, you know, but we're working on that. And he has gone just in this year alone, he's just done so much better from the beginning of the year to where he's at now. And so it's really hard to, to measure, you know, like a third grader, we think like eight and nine-year-olds as third graders, right? And so that's a whole year, right? So my son starting out at the beginning of the year did not so great, and now he's working his way up. So, you know, you've got the birth dates, like Olivia, she has a November birthday. So she was one of the, the older kids in her class because she missed the cutoff date. So you're measuring a whole year difference for one grade. And and I don't think that that's fair because you, like I said, with Bryson, he has done so much better, you know, um, but now you're going to measure that against somebody who may be older, like Olivia, who is able to take in more information. And, and so I just don't think it's really fair the way that they, they do the, these testings, uh, the IARs or whatever, because, um, again, every child learns differently. And to just sum them all together in one group, I just, I don't think it's right. You know, it's, it's not fair. You know, these kids are feeling like they're failing or they're falling behind and they don't have that encouragement or, you know, they don't have that, um, 
like that will, you know, they just feel like they're not smart. And I remember Caden, he used to tell me, mom, I don't know why I'm so stupid because he kept basing off what he was doing with the people around him. And it's really sad, you know? And so when you, you homeschool, you can focus on, um, okay, so Caden's having a really hard time with the reading. So we're going to focus more on that. He's doing really good with math, you know, so maybe we'll spend a little bit more time and, uh, you know, in, in the parts where he's having trouble with, and that's what we've been doing with Bryson. And so, you know, with Illinois, everything, and I'm sure every state is this way, um, but the better that schools do on testing, the more money that they'll get. And I think that's what it all comes down to. They're so worried about getting all this federal funding that um, they label these kids who may be behind in their terms um, as having learning disabilities. And then that way they're not included in, you know, these numbers. And then they make these kids feel like they're less than adequate and it's not fair. It's not right. And so, um, you know, one of the wonderful things with homeschooling here in Illinois, we don't have to turn in any tests. There's, you know, no homework that needs to be turned into the state, nothing like that. And, um, you know, I don't think they need to be in my business with my kids. I don't want them telling me, oh, your kid's behind or your kid's gifted or that's none of their business. You know, my kids are learning at the level that they're ready for. You know, I shouldn't have to have some state test tell me, oh, my kid's behind. Well, maybe they're behind right now in your eyes, but they may get caught up later on and be an excellent reader, you know? And so, um, I just, these tests, I remember when um, my friends were graduating from college and they were becoming teachers and they were just talking about all this time that they spent in these courses, you know, teaching how to teach the kids to take tests. That's not the whole purpose of being a teacher. You're there to teach these children lessons, life lessons, and, and how to add and subtract and, and colors and, you know, things like that. But uh, I agree, Cole. Tests are dumb. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, and so many kids, they'll get um, scared of tests. They may be a really excellent student, but they get nervous when they feel like a test because it's like, oh, gosh, like my whole life depends on this test, you know, and that's not the case. And so um, I don't know. I, I just think these kids are just they're not being pushed to their full potential and they're not being given enough credit for for truly how smart they are. And, you know, it's like everybody should be equal to this math and to this reading. Well, for me personally, I've always been stronger in reading and grammar um, than I was in science or math. That's just the way that my brain worked. You know, like when I first started going to college, I had to do a placement test and I did the math part first and I just bombed that. It was horrible. And then when I came back and I did my reading and my writing part, my scores were off the chart, you know, because that's just who I am. And, you know, so obviously having a job doing something, you know, and that side of my brain working that way, obviously I wouldn't be a mathematician, you know, but I'm going to find a job with using um, where my strengths are, you know, so maybe I could help teach kids how to read. I could be a teacher. I could be an English teacher, something like that. But, um, you know, it's just sad because for this long time, I just thought, wow, I'm just not really great at school because I'm bad at math. And that's not the case. I just, with homeschooling, you focus on your kids' strengths. You find out, okay, what are we good at? You know, so maybe like Caden, he loves to bird watch. He loves animals. He loves learning about, you know, science and things like that. And so, you know, trying to um, find a curriculum or something around that that'll keep him interested in and continue building on those skills while we build on the other skills. But, you know, uh, obviously he's he's not big on math. What about you? Were you what like what did you do in school? How what was your forte? I was good at reading. You're good at reading. I was good at math. I mean, math. That doesn't mean I like going to school. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't mean you like. But you know, like, what were your strengths as a kid? I was very sociable, um, but it's in terms of like, like school, math, and reading, and didn't really have a problem with anything. I hated did you like it. art? I did, but I was terrible at it. <laughs> I like a lot of stuff, but it's just. <laughs> Right. Uh, I didn't really have any dislikes of any courses besides geography. I didn't really like, I mean, I obviously understand the, the 
the intent of it, but it's just it was it was not appetizing at any. any Did you have a favorite subject? Mm, I like social studies. Yeah, social studies is always fun for me. Math really wasn't my thing. I had Mr. Bob, and used to wear a bow, a bow tie all the time. Oh, Mr. Nunn as well in ninth grade. But Me too, Cole. Art was always my thing. I remember being young, and I see my girls are the same way now. You know, they'll just sit there and they'll draw and they'll doodle. And Olivia, she's 10 in her math workbook. She's just like, I don't like math. So she doodles all over her book. I'm like, Olivia, come on. We need to focus, you know. Um but um, just, you know, finding, okay, Olivia, she loves art. She loves to do, you know, cutting things up and, and being crafty. You know, she's like me in that, that sense. And Sophia, she's four. And the way that she, the details that she draws her, her, she doesn't draw stick figures. She'll draw characters and she'll draw eyelashes and fingers. She might draw 10 fingers on a hand. But at least she knows that we've got fingers and we've got toes and um, just watching how intricate her, her drawings and things are. She really pays attention to details. And I've noticed that early on. And Bryson, he's eight and he's complete opposite. He's not one to draw. He's not big on art, but his brain, he's got the brain of an engineer. Ever since he was little, he would just sit there and um try to figure out how things worked. I remember I was doing laundry one day and he just kept opening the drawer for the, where you put the powder and the, the downy and, and he kept opening and closing and he couldn't have been more than two. And I, I was going to yell at him to stop, but then I looked and I just really paid attention to what it was that he was doing. And he was just trying to figure out how this worked. So he would open it and look at it and close it and then open it again and, and look, you know, and he was just really trying to figure it out. And, you know, that, that too, and like part of homeschooling, you sit there and you watch how your children are learning and, you know, what can I do to help Caden understand we're doing uh, multiplication of fractions right now and division of fractions and um, what can I do to help him? And for me, like with math, I would always, I needed scratch paper. I had to see where I went wrong, what I did wrong. And I'm trying to, you know, teach him the same way like when you um when you can see your work you can go back and correct it you know and so that's just something I think is really important that you know because he wants to try to figure everything out in his head and it's like I'm a visual I have to see where where I went right where I went wrong sometimes it's something so simple as just subtracting a number wrong or you know something like that but um Rupert said, sadly, testing has more to do with school funding than with student learning. This leads to teachers teaching to test rather than teaching to raising the intelligence of the children. I agree 100%. You know, it's very, very sad. Everything is about money and it's never about the child anymore. And I used to want to be a teacher, but I just I have noticed how um, everything has changed in the past. I'd say at least 15 years. It's more so about the funding, about the testing than it is. I mean, I remember taking tests when I was in school. I never got nervous with them. You know, sometimes they would be fun. I remember having the little booklets and you had to fill in the, what was that? The Scantron. Remember the Scantron yeah. you had to fill in the circles? Make sure you use the number, number two pencil. Right. Yeah. And fill the circle in all the way. Um, and then if you had to erase, it's like you're pressing so hard and you go to erase it and it's like now it's picking up two answers. <laughs> um, but it's, it just, everything has changed so much. And it's really sad because I feel that these kids in these schools, they're not learning anything. They're not learning skills, life skills, you know, and um, it's just really sad. And I don't know, you know, since COVID, obviously my cats, my kids haven't been back in school, but I don't know how much things have changed since COVID. Like, you know, I can't really compare because my kids never went back, but um you know, I hear some parents sometimes talking, you know, with their kids being in school and just some of these crazy rules. And I'm just like, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. You know, just hearing some of these horror stories, it's just really sad. And our kids are not being kids anymore. You know, I feel like school's almost like a punishment some days, you know? When they go there and they play 
Do they even play anymore, though? They still they look outside over there. I mean, the kids are still playing. Well, for recess, sure. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it's just a it's a regiment of like. There's no really tangible learning. They 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 punch down certain subjects that they know that it's going to be on a test. They homeschool that down to uh, you know to or they nail it down to a point where they can at least get a small percentage, and they just kind of go from there. I believe. I mean, Caden's schedule used to be there was he had eight different blocks. I mean, that's a right. lot for and even an adult to, to right. sometimes process that much movement, and then you got to throw in all the. Uh, the non-school affiliated functions like, you know, recess, food, right. all that stuff, bathroom Break. breaks. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, the attention span, obviously, as you get older, your attention span is supposed to, you know, increase. Right. And you think about these little kids. Now, our kids, we didn't have full day kindergarten, you know, and so these kids were being like rushed through everything. And again, that's your, you're trying to build this foundation. You know, the way that the kids print their letters, they all do it the same. And I cannot, I'll have to, in order to explain it, you have to see it. But like when you make a lowercase a, you make the circle and you don't pick up your pencil, you, you make the circle and you go up and you come back down the little hook at the end, right? Mm -hmm. They would do like a circle, pick up their pencil and then put, you know, the little line at the end. When you do an R, they would make like, a um a candy cane and then put like a little stick at the end like on the top and all three of them did the same thing it's like they're not being taught how to print their letters they're not being taught how to pronunciate things and so it carries on with them through the rest of their schooling and um you know that's what we need to be focused on we need to be focused on forget the test right now like yes i think kids need to be tested to see where they're at but if we expect our children to do better, we have to do better for them. You know, we have to show them the right ways. And again, you know, starting back at the basics at home, teaching them how to print their letters again and how to pronunciate words and, and blending sounds and things like that. It carries on, you know, throughout the rest of your life. And so um, what was this article you had sent me earlier? Um, yeah. So talking about Chicago school, you know, we're not near Chicago to really to have this affect us, but this is just an example of, you know, Illinois and what's going on here. It says Chicago public schools hit record graduation rate as math reading scores drop. So they have this, this little chart here and it says Chicago public schools numbers failed to add up. Higher rates of CPS high school students graduated and were on track as freshmen post-pandemic despite higher rates of chronic absente absenteeism and poorer academic performances. So it's showing chronic absenteeism um, in 2019 was at 24 percent. And then in 2022, it rose up to 45 percent. Reading proficiency in 2019 was at 26%, and then it dropped down to 21% in 2022. Uh, math proficiency in 2019 was 27%, and then in 2022, it dropped down to 21%. Now, figure this out. The graduation rate in 2019 was at 77%. Now, after lower math and reading scores and absenteeism, uh, the graduation rate rose to 83%. And then the freshman on track rate in 19 was 82%. And in 22, it was 85%. These numbers are not adding up. How can these kids be scoring lower in math and reading? And then the you know time that they show up has almost doubled. But yet, there's more that are on track to graduate. No kid left behind. Right, right. And so now we're changing the standards of everything. We're lowering the standards. So what's the purpose of having tests if you're just going to let everybody out? Here? Thank you. Why are we wasting time with tests if we're not even going to use them? Million dollars. Yeah, and all this money. You know, it, it's just, it's so crazy to me. And if you really sit down and you put all these pieces together, you know, as a parent, I worry about my kids' education. I worry about, you know... Are they going to be proficient enough when they're older to, you know, have a decent job and, and to be able to take care of themselves, you know? But when I see stuff like this, it's like they're just pushing these kids through and 
to watch them try to count back change when you pay in cash and you know well, we went to the movie theater, right? So we went to the movie theater the other day to see Jesus Revolution, which, by the way, if you've not seen that, it's an amazing movie. Go see it. I took the two older kids with. Um, so we went to the movie theater, and my mom uh, paid for the snacks. And so I think the total was thirty-six fifty. So she had $40.50. And so she went, you know, to pay. And the girl just kind of looked at her like, why are you giving me 50 cents? not realizing my mom wanted four singles back. And so she's sitting there and struggling and she's trying to do this math in her head, trying to figure this out. And this girl had to have been 16, 17 years old, um, but she couldn't figure it out. And I wanted to help her. I wanted to say, hey, you know, we just need four singles back. But she just really struggled there for a minute and you know, stuff like that. And I'm not calling her out. I'm not making fun. I've truly felt bad because I see the way that these kids are struggling with something so simple. You know, and that doesn't even require a lot of math. It's just, it's more common sense. You know, you really, you think about it. You, and for me, I have to see everything with visual. So I see it in my head. Okay, $40.50, you know, minus $36.50. I could see it, you know, and, um, you know, those are the things that I'm saying. I, I just really worry about everything is so digitized and you can use a calculator. And, you know, these kids aren't learning how to do, um, you know, things like that. And Cole said, in her defense, I struggle too. And that's okay. We all struggle with different things, you know, but I see this a lot. I see this everywhere. You know, everything right now is credit cards. Most people pay with credit cards. And then when you pay with cash, you know, it's like um, kids don't really know how to do. I've done this myself where I've, I've paid and I've given change. Um, and it's just really hard for especially this younger generation. And, you know, I was a cashier for several different places and, um, you know, I, you have to be quick with that. So if you have a job where you're dealing with money, you know, I think it's really important that, um, you know, they, they learn how to count. And I think that's why they're trying so hard to make it a cashless society because, you know, I'm sure, you know, people's drawers come up short a lot and it's, you know, that that's just simple math there. And Intrepid said, it's all because of the way they teach math. The way you solve the problem has become more important than getting the right answer, being able to apply it to real life tasks. And that's exactly it. You know, we've got fake money at home with fake change. And um, right now, Bryson, he's learning, you know, the different coins and, and um, how to coin count the change, the coins and, you know, what a penny is and what a nickel and, you know, how much each value is and then adding all the coins up and, um, you know, he does pretty good at that. Like I said, he's got the brain of an engineer. Um, so, um, you know, I just think though, when my kids get to be that age, are they going to still have cash? Is cash still going to be a thing? We keep seeing all this cashless society during COVID. Everything is, um, you know, oh, you know, exact cash or credit card only. And so 10 years from now, is it going to just be strictly debit card, credit card, you know, that's just, it's crazy to think that way, but we see it happening. And I think COVID was just kind of a test run, but, um, so yeah, so talking about being proficient in math and reading, um, you know, since we started homeschooling, I have, um, been trying to collect books and I've talked about thriftbooks.com before. That's one of the best sites that you can buy used books, you know, the classics. And so, um, I've kind of put a list together of some of the books that I think are, you know, must haves, um, in a home school setting. And, you know, most of these are like novels, you know, classics. Um, and some of the ones that I put on here are, you know, kind of for like, um, early grade school, like Bryson could probably read like James and the Giant Peach and Matilda, which that was another thing I saw the other day. They're talking about, um, because they use the word fat in Matilda, yeah. they're going to edit that out and put something what less. What do with all the books? Well, that's just it. There's all these banned books, you know. And so that's why I go to thriftbooks.com. And Little Red Rocking Chair said abooks.com is a good site too. Yes, I've bought books from them too. Um, and then there's a place you can sell your books. It's called sellbackyourbook.com and they'll give you money. 
um, for, you know, for other books that you may have that you don't want. But um, so obviously the number one book on my list is the Bible. I think having the Bible is just, that should be in every home, every home, even for those who choose not to believe right now. And hopefully they will someday. Just having the Bible in your home is, you know, it's a history book. It, it talks about so much in there, you know, and I think that can be a little intimidating to a lot of people. I know when I first started reading the Bible, it's such a big book, right? How am I going to read through this whole thing? Um, but this, the Bible has just been an amazing, amazing book for me. And I, I just can't get enough of it. Um, in the Founders Bible, Scott and Fars FM, he always talks about the Founders Bible. And that's a really good homeschool book to have. Um, obviously, you've got the Bible in it, and it teaches a lot of our history of the United States. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of lessons. I know some people use the Founders Bible as a, a history book, which, you know, is awesome. There's so much packed in that book. And if you don't have one, I would highly recommend getting one. And, you know, I've got my study Bible, which is a King James version. And I love that one too for me. But having like a home Bible, uh, the Founders Bible is a really great one. So look into that. And if you do happen to order one, um, you can use the code BARDS. <laughs> use the BARDS code and you can save yourself some money too with that code. Um, and then another book that I think is really important is 1984. Um, if you have not read that book, I be honest, I just read that book a few years ago for the first time. And it seems like the government is using the book 1984 as a playbook for what they're doing right now. Just everything, the way that they, they change history, you know, they edit things out. We were just talking about James and the giant peach. Um, they just change everything to fit their narrative. And I feel that that is truly what they're doing now. And you know, oh, we've been at war with this country for years and then turn around. Oh, no, we've been at war with this country. They're just changing everything. So uh, it's kind of creepy in a way to see how that really pertains to today. So um, that's one of the great books that I've read, uh, The Hiding Place. I don't know if any of you have ever read that. That book was one of the hardest books for me to read, not because I couldn't understand it, but like it hit me, it, you know, hit me right in my heart. And I was just like, wow, uh, Corey Ten Boom, like she just, her story is just an amazing story. And I think I read this, I want to say maybe my sophomore year of high school, and I've read it again since. And I, you know, recommend this to a lot of people um, to just have that account of what happened during that time. And, uh, you know, it's about the Holocaust. Um, and I'm not going to give away the storyline, but it truly is such a great book. And, you know, I encourage that for, for, you know, high school kids, especially if you're learning about the Holocaust. I know we did a whole lesson. I think it was a whole semester in high school we did on the Holocaust and it was just mind blowing. And I don't even know that they teach about the Holocaust anymore in school. Um, uh, interpret said my older son had great math books in school early on. Each lesson incorporated his to use that math in real life and the school brought in the newest version of new math and it was fairly <laughs> worthless. If you can find the first one I mentioned, it's a great way to teach math. Thank you. I will definitely look into that. Um, some of these, you know, when my kids were in school uh, learning some of that common core stuff, I'm just like, oh goodness, no, no. I, common sense math here. Um yeah, the, the Holocaust is truly important to learn about because they always say history repeats itself. And if we don't understand that, I mean, we can read about that in a history book about what happened. But, you know, The Hiding Place is a, a firsthand account of, you know, somebody who went through it and lived it. And, you know, we don't have many people left who went through that. And so having these accounts um, to just, you know, you kind of put yourself in the author's place and to understand what they went through and, you know. Uh, it just gives you a whole different view of that time period. That's why I love reading. I highly encourage, you know, my kids every day read 30 minutes um, because you just, you learn so much by reading. Um, another one, Treasure Island, you know, that's a classic. That's just something that, you know, even for us as adults, you know, just something good to read. I love reading. I would rather read than watch television. Um, some of the other ones, Pride and Prejudice, Joan of Arc, Of Mice and Men, 
the giver. Caden, uh, he just finished the giver. And this was like his first real novel that he had to read. And he's in seventh grade. And he loved the book. He just, you know, he's like, Mom, I'm done. You know, it was such a great book. And we talked about it and we discussed it. And then they were able to watch the movie. And I always say the book is always better than the movie. I don't think I've ever watched a movie that was better than the book. Because it's like when you read, you kind of, your imagination is able to run wild and you can envision these things in your head. And, you know, like I said, put yourself in, in their, their place and kind of be that character for a little bit. Um, yeah, The Giver is a great book. There's three other books in the series. I did not know that. I'm going to have to look those up. I'd like to read those myself. Um, The Animal Farm, Catcher in the Rye, The Story of Anne Frank. That's another one talking about the Holocaust. You know, it's this little girl who, uh, you know, she just kind of gives her account. And it, it's just, I mean, I know kids, they go through so much as it is. But, you know, going through something like that... I can only imagine how how that must have been. It's just, you know, having your child read somebody, another child's story, um, I, I just think that's definitely in the top ten. Um, Lord of the Flies, Brave New World, that's another one um, that can kind of pertain to what's going on today. The Great Gatsby, The Color Purple. Color Purple, I think, is one of those books, too, that they put on the banned book list. And so if you're ever wondering what books you need to get for your kids just google banned book list and chances are <laughs> those are all the good books that taught us a lot of great things um night that was another one i loved that book i read that one i think in eighth grade uh crime and punishment the scarlet letter little women that one too that's another great classic um where the red fern grows James and the Giant Peach. Again, that one's more of like a, an early grade school read. Um, but still, that's, a, you know, just a good book to have in your library. Matilda, that's one of the ones we were just talking about where they had to change, edit the wording because it might hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> if you're, you're really going to be that hurt over a word in a book, then I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the Collected Poems of Emily Dickinson, you know, uh, in the book, Fahrenheit 451. That's another one on, on this list here. Um, you know, they just talk about how they burn all these books because, you know, people, they don't want to, um, they don't care about the classics. They're more interested in what's going on on the television than they are about, you know, reading the classics. And they talk about the Bible in that book too, Fahrenheit 451. If you've not read that, that's a really good one. Um where are we at here? Um, William Shakespeare, The Complete Works. I bought that one on thriftbooks.com too. And I know sometimes that's hard to read, but, you know, again, that that's just kind of pushing your kids to, to think outside of the box, you know, different language. But the King James Version, which is the Bible I read from, you know, there's some language in there that's like, you really got to sit there and think about it. But um, it's just, it's really good. Um, what else? Where are we at here? Pilgrim's Progress. The kids, they learned about that in Sunday school, and there was a cartoon we watched, um, and they were so excited to watch it. And we watched it several times. Um, so we've got that book, and I'm going to encourage Caden and Olivia both to read that, maybe even Bryson next year. Um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. I think that's another one on the ban list. Um, the Charles Dickens. There's Oliver Twist, A Tale of Two Cities, Great Expectations, and A Christmas Carol. Everybody knows A Christmas Carol. You've got to have that. Um, one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's another one. I see that on a lot of lists all the time. Um, January, Fahrenheit 451, which I mentioned. The ending in the cupboard. I remember that when I was younger. That's another, uh, you know, grade school book. And there's also a really great movie from the nineties. I remember watching that as a kid. To Kill a Mockingbird. That's another one on the band list. Um, I loved that book. That was such a great book. And, you know, there's language and things in there, but you know what? This is life. And if you're going to water down history and, you know, your kids are going to have a really rude awakening. And so, you know, you just, you know, tell them, give them caution before they read things like that, that there's going to be things in here. And then you talk about it. You know, you don't just push those feelings aside. I mean, life has never been easy or, you know, um, kind to many people, many races and things like that. And so um, they need to learn about it. Moby Dick is another good one. 
uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That whole series is just, you know, again, maybe for younger kids, but it would be good too for, you know, even older people to read if you've not read that one. Grapes of Wrath, um, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, The Iliad. I think I actually had to read that for one of my courses when I was in college. That's a harder one, but still, nonetheless, it's a classic. Um, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. That's a good one too. Um, let's see what else we've got the outsiders. I remember reading that one. I think that was eighth grade too. That's a really good one. I think we were just talking about that with living not too long ago. That was one of my favorite books that I read in school. Um, where are we at here? Charlie and the chocolate factory. That was another one. Cause they talked about the kid eating all the chocolate and they can't use the word fat. So they have to edit that. out. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, the Secret Garden, The Art of War, War and Peace, Peter Pan. That's another classic. And, you know, Disney's had to ruin all of these classics, of course, with their nonsense. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale. I just read that, I think, last year. And, of course, now there's, you know, like a show about it. But the book itself was just a really good book. Uh, Frankenstein says the 1818 text, because I'm sure that's been altered to you. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Charlotte's Web, that's another, you know, more of a child's book. But again, just a really great book to have in your um, your home library. Charlotte's Web, A Wrinkle in Time, that too is one of my favorite books. I remember reading that when, oh, I got maybe sixth or seventh grade. And that stuck with me my whole life. And I just actually read it um, last year, the end of last year. And I encouraged Matt to read it too, because um, that is just such a good book. And of course, they did that movie and i think was it oprah that was in it and they've got to ruin everything so read the book the book is great if you haven't a clockwork orange romeo and juliet another classic uh anna green gables catch 22 the hobbit i know i just saw somebody mention that yeah i remember i had to do a summer school course in fifth grade and it was just because I wanted to do it. It wasn't because I was bad <laughs> needed to do it. But uh, I had to read The Hobbit in fifth grade. And that was kind of a hard read for me at that time. You know, obviously, it's a bigger book, too. Um, but, of course, now I love the movies. You know, The Hobbit and, and Lord of the Rings, all that. Such a great series. Uh, Gone with the Wind. Hamlet. I think I already said The Secret Garden. Uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends. That's a really good one. I remember reading that in grade school and, um, you know, just a really good book for kids and adults alike. Uh, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Memoirs of a Geisha. I remember reading that. I was probably, I'd say, in my early 20s when I read that, and that was a really good book. Um, it's kind of sad what, you know, those women went through. Um, the Fault in Our Stars. Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, huh? Charlotte's Web. Yeah, I said Charlotte's Web. Where do you think? Uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Raven. Uh, Water for Elephants. Princess Bride. The Odyssey. Aesop's Fables. That's another good one. You know, again, that could be for younger kids. Um, but I think adults, you know, it's just it's just good something to read. Uh, Gulliver's Travels. Oh, I already said of Mice and Men. A Series of Unfortunate Events. The Stranger. The Three Musketeers. Winnie the Pooh. That was Matt's favorite as a kid, right? Yeah. You loved Winnie the Pooh. Um, the Little Prince. Dune. Uh, I just bought that box set, and they just came out with a movie, I think, last year or the year before. Um, and, you know, that was a really good movie, and there's a lot of symbolism in there. Um, so that's definitely a good one. Selected Stories by... Alice Murrow. Um, that one I think is more for adults, but that's supposed to be a really good one. East of Eden, The Book Thief. Uh, did I say Number of the Stars already? Catherine called Birdie, Bridge to Terabithia, Sarah Plain and Tall, Shiloh. You remember Shiloh? Oh, I loved that one as a kid. That one too is a you know, grade school one. I think Bryson would really like that one. Um, Fever, 1793. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Around the World in 80 Days, Black Beauty, Heidi, Grimm's Fairy Tales. I think that one's more for like older kids. You don't want your five-year-old <laughs> reading that one. Um, but that's a good one too. Sense and Sensibility, 
Tale of Two Cities, Gone with the Wind, Macbeth, Odyssey, The Crucible. I remember uh, reading The Crucible in middle school and i think there's a movie out too i think we may have had to watch that remember they'd roll the card out and they'd have the tv on there and you knew it was going to be a good day until you had to watch the crucible it was so boring but the book was really good though um the canterbury tales go tell it on the mountain call of the wild um and then these couple of uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy did you just finish reading that one I read it twice. yeah and then there's the whole series with that one too um, and then, like, for the little ones, of course, you want to have, like, a book of nursery rhymes. And then, like, the classic stories, too. Um, James and the Beanstalk and, you know, all those great things. So, um, Charlotte's Web is deeper than people know. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of these books truly are a lot deeper than a lot of people realize, you know. Oh, Little House in the Prairie. Yes, those are good ones, too. I didn't even think about that. I'm going to write that down, too. I'm going to compile just a list of... Um, all the ones that I wrote down and then, you know, you guys want to throw some at me, I can add them on, you know, because like I said, I'm spending money all the time at thriftbooks.com and I'm just trying to build up my library because I'm trying to encourage more reading here, you know. Um, green Eggs and Ham, yes, for sure. I think I'm going to do like a, a, like a grade school list and then, you know, just an overall list too. Um, I loved all the Doc Dr. Seuss books, but, you know, of course, a lot of those they're banning too because they're not um, you know, PC, I guess. And it's really sad because there's all these classics and, you know, how are our children ever going to learn? How are they ever going to, um, not repeat what has happened already in history unless they learn about it? And it's really sad that we, you know, we want to shun our kids away. Not we, I, I'm not including myself in that, but as a society, we want to, take all that away because we think it's going to hurt our children's feelings. But again, how are they ever going to learn to know not to do that or that that existed? They want to rewrite this history because history has been unkind to, to many people. It doesn't matter your race, your gender. None of that matters. I mean, you know, we've seen all the bad things that have happened and, you know, part of homeschooling, you get to teach your kids those things that they would rather not teach you in school, public schools, because they're just more afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. And, you know, I think people's feelings need to be hurt. You have to feel what uh, Corey Ten Boom went through, you know, her and her family, what they went through. You have to experience that with them because you want to make sure that you don't allow that to happen again. You know, these children, they're going to be the next generation running this country. They're going to be politicians and they're going to, you know, someday, maybe who knows what this country be a president and, um, you know, they're going to make the laws and they're going to enforce those laws. And, you know, if they don't know history and they don't understand what happened in the past, we're going to, you know, be bound to repeat it. You know, like socialism, everybody, oh, socialism is so great. It's going to be wonderful. Ask those people that lived in socialist countries, Venezuela, you know, especially they were up and coming and then they got shot down with socialism. And now, you know, they said on average, like the adults lost like on average 19 pounds just from starving and from terrible laws and things like that. So, um, yeah, anything about great composers, they do need to learn music. I agree. Music is math or <laughs> Douglas. Well, how about you teach my kids music? Because that's one thing I never did learn. Matt knows music though. Uh, like I said, we got that piano and I'm looking to find, um, somebody who can come and tune the piano and then teach the kids. I was talking with one of the homeschooling moms that I know she goes to my church and she's, she's a great friend. Um, and she was telling me that her daughter does, um, piano lessons. So I'm going to see if I can't find somebody to come to the house after the piano gets tuned and teach our kids how to play. And I want to learn how to play. That's something I always wanted to learn how to do, but I never did. And now I've got the opportunity to do it. So, um, Music does improve math skills. See, that's something I did not know. I, I need to really get going on that. Um, I just think, you know, obviously music is very important. Our kids love music. Caden, he's always playing the air drums like me, you know, so I think he would be really good with drums. Maybe I can look into, you know, it's just like when you're homeschool, you know, when you're in a public school, they've got band and you can sign the kids up. So that's something I really need to look into. How do I get these kids involved with music outside of the home. How can I do that? You know, so that's a priority that I need to make. Um, 
because of the beats and how the chords are assembled. That makes sense. Maybe that's why I never could read music. <laughs> I tried when I went to uh, grade school. I went to a Catholic school and we had music and they tried to teach us. And I remember the treble clef and all this. And I'm like, what? This doesn't make sense to me. And it still doesn't. So I think if I have somebody to teach me that, Matt, can you teach me how to read music? All right. Yeah, I never really did pick up on that. I tried when I was younger, and I thought about playing the um, clarinet when I was in grade school, and I just never did. I probably should have. Then I could have been teaching my kids. And the violin is just one of those instruments I always loved. Like, if I could learn to play that, or the cello, string instrument. But yeah, we can't wait to hear you play, Douglas. You got to play some more music. Oh, wait, no, Douglas said, Matt, I want to hear you play Saturday night. <laughs> oh, boy. He said, we'll see. He's over here, like, laying down, like, he's just so exhausted. He has such a, a busy day. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, we're almost at the top of the hour. Conley's going to be on here in a few minutes. So, um, look at Douglas is like, what are you doing, Matt? Sleeping. <laughs> Magus said, uh, I was learning to play the violin, but got kicked out. <laughs> Why does it not surprise me, Cole? Uh, Douglas said, you will play, and those are all caps. He's yelling. He's oh, using no. the mom voice. Uh, oh, no. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just close this in a quick prayer so we can all get out of here and go visit Conley, and I've got to go figure out what I'm making for dinner. So if you would, please just bow your heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for giving us this opportunity to just you know, just talk about you and in, in this beautiful world that you created for us, Lord, and, and for our children. Um, we just pray that you help these children today and the days to come as, you know, they're coming for our children and we can see that, Lord. I pray that you just reach those who are on the fence about pulling their kids from public schools, that you just give them the courage to pull their kids out and, and to take them home so that they can teach their children the right way, Lord. Um, we just see all these failing schools and, and school systems and, and how they're really not here to help our children, but rather to hurt them, Lord. So we ask that you just open the eyes of those parents around and, and they just, they see the things that we've seen, Lord. Um, give them the courage and the strength. And I know many question if they'll be able to do this and, and just guide them, Lord, show them that they can do this and how important it is that they they do give their kids a solid foundation, Lord. Um, we thank you for, for all the many blessings that we have. We thank you for all the friends that have gathered here with us tonight and for those who will listen later on, Lord. Um, we thank you for this amazing Bards community that we have, that you've put us all together during these trying times so that we can share all of our spiritual gifts and talents with those around us. Um, we just truly thank you for, for all of the many blessings that you have blessed us with and for sending us your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and for all of our sins, Lord. Um, we know that the days coming are going to continue to get harder and there will be more persecution um, and more attacks, Lord. And we see that with, with all of our family here, Lord. Um, we just ask that you Again, put your hedge of protection around all of us and just continue guiding us and keeping us safe from, from all that evil, Lord. And for those who are sick, Lord, just please heal their bodies. We know that your son, Jesus, he is the great physician and through him, all things are possible. Um, we ask that you just heal them. And for those who um, may be struggling just in life with, with coming to you, um, that they will find you, Lord, that we can be those messengers and we can plant those seeds and that they will just find their way to you, Lord. Um, just continue to be with us and guide us in all that we do. In your son, Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you all for joining and for those who will listen later on. Um, again, if you all have any other books to put on that list, just send them my way because like I said, I'm trying to build this library here for these kids. And, um, you know, someday I wonder if the internet goes off or they turn off our, our electricity, what are we gonna do? Well, we've got a whole bunch of books and <laughs> these kids are gonna learn how to read all these books. So 
Um, no, really, I, I just, I love reading and I need to get more into it. I just got to find time. I've just been so crazy busy, but a lot of those books on that list I did read um, and a lot of them I want to read. So um, just throw them at me, give them to me, send them to me in a message or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I encourage everybody just read, read, read. It's so fundamental. It helps your cognitive skills and um, you know, it kind of takes your mind off things. It's so relaxing. And I'll have a book in my purse and I'll carry it with me. If we go to the park, I'll read at the park or, you know, whatever. Um, same thing with your Bible, carry that Bible with you everywhere, because there are times when I'm like, man, I wish I had my Bible right now. You know, like I, I'm really, and of course you can have Bible apps and things like that, but, um, just getting in the habit of carrying your Bible around with you because you never know when you're going to need it. Um, and, you know, it's like and in times of trouble, that's where I turn right there. And we need to make that more of a thing. And, you know, I think other people like when I go get my nails done, I'll have my Bible. And sometimes people look at me a little crazy, but it's like, hey, you know what? Encourage people to do the same and um, it'll catch on. So anyways, y'all have a good night. Head on over to Conley. I'm sure the show started already. Um, and then Bards FM at eight and then. Uh, Killed to Christian after that, and then uh, Bards FM tonight, or Fishers of Men. So you all have a great night, and I will see you around the whole Bards family chat, because I'm sure we'll all be in there together. So anyways, love you all. Thanks again. God bless. Night. Since a formula bottle Desensitized Everything we knew about our problems And now we're all roaming the land Saying now did this big lie start It's time to put our faith in him Cause it's gone too far Oh I believe he died for me and for everyone Anything can be achieved When you count on God Who's gonna take the lead By putting their life on line Who's gonna show the children What is wrong and what is right Who's gonna take the lead By putting their of Christ washes every sin by the minute the sheep are blind all because their mind is a prison and now they're all roaming the land saying how did this big lie start it's time they put their faith in him cause it's gone too far oh I believe he died for me and for everyone Anything can be achieved When you count on God Who's gonna take the lead By putting the life on line Who's gonna show the children What is wrong and what is right Who's gonna take the lead By putting the life on line Take the lead. He put his life.
show that 